Hey weirdos, I'm Hannah Sainty and welcome to the Your Weird Podcast, the place that talks to creatives, artists and people living their best lives about how they do what they do, why they do what they do and how being a bit weird is a superpower. If robots are taking all our jobs, we better figure out how to harness the one thing that they can't do, be creative. Enjoy the show. Hi, weirdos. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Weird Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If uh, you've been listening to the rest of the episodes and you've kind of been keeping up, thank you so much for sticking along with me and joining me in this process. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I can guarantee that you're just as weird as the rest of us because you have joined in and I'm really excited to have you here. What we are doing is we are talking about creativity. We're talking about overcoming our resistances. We're talking about how to be imaginative and how to trust our imagination We're talking about how to play and we're talking to some really cool artists about how they do what they do and why they do what they do. Today's guest for my Your Weird Spotlight is Mr. Jared Goundry. Now, he's not only just a dear, dear friend of mine, he is also my partner in crime. He is a fantastic comedian. He's one of Australia's rising stars, and I'm not just being biased. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's a brilliant writer, and he actually started out as an infantry soldier in the Australian Army. He then went on to become a fine dining chef in hatted restaurants, and then he chose stand-up comedy. What I discovered from all of this is that he just really likes high-stress jobs. And the reason why I wanted to talk to him today and bring his story to you is because he's a really insightful and really inspiring person in the way that he looks at his career and the way that he looks at his craft and the way that he sort of carries himself within the industry. He works really, really hard at what he does. He's very disciplined and he's very honest and has a really interesting um, reflective process as well as his concept of like looking at life and, you know, chasing down these dreams and ideas that he has. Now, this is the the theory and the theme that I carry on in my own life and what I want to bring to this podcast is to have that sense of bravery in pursuing what you find interesting and what you feel called to. Now, Jared has been called to do a number of things, obviously for, you know, the infantry soldier and the chefing, but, you know, he's been called to, you know, enjoy writing for a TV show and writing for a film and a myriad of other different things. And it's this sort of courage and this bravery which made me want to bring his story to you today because I know that I sometimes struggle to stay motivated I have my own processes in place to kind of push me to keep going, but sometimes even my own resistances of perfectionism and such can get in the way. And he's just someone who doesn't let anything like that stop him. When he sees it, he goes and he gets it and he will teach himself. He'll learn how to understand new programs and software. And, you know, he taught himself how to use TikTok. At first he was afraid of it and thought, no, that's it. You know, technology has surpassed me. And then he figured it out. And then now he's gotten something crazy, like over 8 million views and a stupid amount of followers. So he's someone who can really put, you know, the the pedal to the metal and get it done. Now it's this get it done attitude that I love and that I'm really inspired by. And although it's not always the best process for everyone, sometimes you do need to take incremental steps 
even those incremental steps need to be done with a get it done attitude sometimes. And I think that he really embodies this. And it's a really interesting chat that we have. You know, we talk about the idea of creativity itself. We talk about the process of how to overcome the resistances. We talk about we talk about comedy itself and the creativity that is within cooking. And we talk about why we want to do these things and the fact that sometimes the goalpost might change or it might evolve into something else. And that is okay. So I'm really excited for you to have a listen to this episode and um, please, yeah, just enjoy the show. Let me know what you think and let me know where you're at on your creative journey. I'm currently writing a show. I'm I'm doing a course in cabaret and I'm writing a cabaret show because I thought I can merge my two experiences that come from comedy and from acting, well, three experiences and writing in general, and I'm going to combine them all to create a show that I feel like I can really embody as I continue to learn my crafts. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that over the coming weeks, but I'd really like to know what projects you were working on and what resistances you're experiencing as you go along. And please do let me know if this chat with Jared does inspire something within you for you to press forward, push ahead and find a bit more extra gutso. So without further ado, please enjoy the show as I discuss creativity and the career of Jared Goundry. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you coming on because you are one of the most creative and inspiring people I've ever met in my life. And I'm not being biased. I don't like that. What do you mean you don't like that? Compliments. I or mean. just telling her how I don't like it. Because I don't know. I'm too close to the process to even see anything that's going on. So people tell me stuff and I'm like, ah. Like as in like you don't feel like you're creative or you don't feel like you're actually doing anything or. I just, it just makes me feel gross. Yeah, right. Just people appreciating what I do. It's not It's not for me. <laughs> I'd rather live in perpetual disappointment. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice. I mean, if you, keep your, if you keep your hopes low, then you'll never be really disappointed. You say, what did you say? How did you describe me just then? You said I'm the, what? One, One of like the most creative and inspiring people. Well, from the outside looking in, what makes you say that? Because I don't know. This is, I would like this angle. Because well, I, I got no idea. Yeah, well, I mean, like you're you're living it, so it's a little bit harder when you are living it to kind of be aware of it, unless you are a complete narcissist. Um, But I suppose, like, so a little bit of context. Obviously, you started off in the Australian Army as a combat soldier. You went on to become a chef, not only any chef, like a fine dining chef in some of the most high-profile restaurants in Australia. It sounds nice, but it's. An horrible existence <laughs> taught me a lot about doing what you really want in life. But yeah. Yeah. And then you've gone on to become a comedian as well as be a writer as well. Like if you think about it, like there, there's like a vein that runs through all of those things, which is you like high stress. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thrive. I don't know if I like it. I feel like I've got a love, sad relationship with it. <laughs> It makes me sad, but I love it. But I do my best work in it. No, I understand. I'm, I'm a little bit like that as well. It's like kind of like that. Um, I love the product, but I need the, the stress to create the conditions in which I do my best work, which then gives me love, which then gives me a standard in which I need to improve on, which creates more stress, which creates more sad. But I mean, do you find moments in between the sad to enjoy it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love the whole, th- I love the whole process. But yeah. You know, I don't want to rest on my laurels. Also, I don't know what laurels are. Are they 
like morals, but low. I'm not sure what a laurel is. And I don't know how to rest a, on one. Yeah, like I feel like laurels. I don't. I don't know that it's a real physical thing, but it's it's meant to be just like relying on or uh, relying on what already is. Okay. Instead of like being aware that you can never be enough and like you need to keep going forward. I don't want to take a rest on them. I don't want to have yeah, take, don't a, take a knee. Yeah, they don't sound very comfortable. Mine, a laurel. It sounds kind of like damp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got me with a sip of coffee then. I was having a little sip of coffee <laughs> sitting back here resting on my laurels and then you said that. And I nearly shot the coffee out my nose. But you didn't. You survived didn't. it. Yeah. Actually, let's talk about your process. So, like, when you are creating – and, like, maybe we can dive back into, like, even when you were creating items for your menu when you were chefing. Yep. Is there something that you sort of, like, have with you when you're wanting to create? So, it's like, you know, like, some people, like, want to have a coffee or some people, like, they have to fiddle with a particular pen. They have to have that certain pen. Is there something that kind of you use as almost, like, an artifact to help you move through When thinking? I was – it's changed along the years, but, I mean, and it changes with the creative task. But when I was cooking um, in my office, I had a big poster on the wall that was a seasonal guide. Oh, yeah, cool. And it just pretty much – it was a planting guide, so it, it told you when to plant and when to seed different fruit and vegetable. I mean, I wasn't doing that, but it also told you when it could yield. Um, so I'd use that as a guide for the foundations of dishes, therefore inspiration. You know, I'm coming up to creating a dish in a certain time, so then I got to – I had it in front of me, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to cook, what am I going to cook? And then I would find, oh, Jerusalem artichokes, cool use that as a little spark because I know that that particular product is going to be at its best during that time. It's going to be in abundance, therefore its price is going to be down. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunately one of the realities of cooking. I mean, you, can, you need to financially be – a lot of the greatest uh, chefs – it's kind of like comedians in a way, like some of the greatest comedians just do whatever the hell they want. A lot of some of the greatest chefs just do whatever the hell they want, but they can't make any money. So therefore yes. they can't hold down a job like in the higher echelons. Therefore they just go down to the next one and they just, they're kind of like a perpetual sort of sous chef, which is the second in charge because they're brilliant, but they just can't get their shit together. That's really they, interesting. They can't rein in. Cause I think it's important if you want to be professional at anything, mm -hmm. you need to use your imagination to its highest ability, but also be, okay with the constraints of the official world that we live in really really good advice so that was one of the things going well what can i use because i think you could i think you can have the best of both worlds mm -hmm. cooking for yeah that was one of the things that anchored me into using what was available to me to create the best product but also not let my imagination go i want to do this this and this and then figure out after the fact that it actually that cost I'm not making any money per dish yeah. on this amazing thing that I've created. Because I think you can get the same result using the other things. Of course, yeah. Well, it sounds like um, – so this is something that like I like to think about a lot and I'd like your opinion on it. Um, I think a lot of the time when people think of being creative, like the like the main idea is that like free-flowing, everything – like there's, there's no constraints and everything's just kind of flying around and something will kind of just happen upon you. Whereas I have the opposite thinking where I'm like, I'm kind of like, 
it's a relationship with creativity mm. to kind of understand sort of in the realms of anchoring, like understanding where you are and what you're trying to create and then forming parameters around it in order to let something actually be sort of like filtered through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. I think I heard a really great qu- quote yesterday, actually, that um, you were just talking about the relationship with creativity. And I think that's a really good point to bring up because it's too, it, it should be two way. Mm-hmm. So the quote I heard was from, for the life of me, I can't remember the person, but it was this really big free thinking philosopher from the 60s and 70s. And he said, if you're consuming culture, that you need to add to it. So myself as an artist, I need to make sure that I'm creating 50% culture for every 50% that I'm consuming. Because we consume a lot of culture. We do, every day. You know, we watched a TV show last night. There's movies, there's food and all this sort of stuff. So to, to hold up my end of the bargain for the world, I need to give it back, you know. Like if you're going to cut down a forest, you need to plant another acre. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. for the world. So I don't – that's just sparked my interest when you said relationship with creativity because I think uh, – you know more about this than me because you're a creative nerd. Um, <laughs> like you know about it. Is it what was it back in the day? They used to think the like it was a, like a little creature that lived in your wall or something. So um, always it's, loved it's, this. it's in it's in a few different um, aspects of history that's written about, but it's in uh, Greek history mostly, where they talk about the idea of genius. So mm. nowadays we say to people, "Oh, you are a genius," but that's incorrect. It, it is the genius is with you. He or she, they. Uh, As like, in genius? Yeah. Yeah, more just sort of like it's just an entity. So you, you see like similar to like what the muse is and the concept is is like there's ideas, you know how like you oh, like it happens with blockbuster films. You see two films that come out and they're almost identical. Um, Deep Impact, Armageddon. Exactly. Yeah. And like this happens constantly and if you like, you know, depending on what realm of like the arts that you you subscribe to the most, you'll notice it'll happen with books, it'll happen with poems, it'll happen with songs, it'll happen with genres, like there's all these different things where it's kind of coming out at the same time. And the concept is, is that like genius or the muse, like there's these ideas that kind of float around and they will come to you and ask to be exhibited through you and it is up to you to take that and do it. So in the Greek in the Greek times that was embodied as like an energy was it something that the, came from the gods was it like a its own thing like what was the genius in there The genius it wasn't so much about being a god um it was more sort of like uh like like an energy it was it was like, like sort of more like of a spirit form mm. and because you have you, you would say like the genius is with you like the way that people in christianity and stuff they they say like may god be with you as in like may there be a higher power that helps you to make better decisions throughout your life yeah, yeah. whereas like with the genius it's like oh the genius is with you you've had this idea you made this painting it's beautiful you are lucky to have the genius with you to want to be expressed through you good which is like something that's really interesting because um, I'd like to talk to you about like the resistances that you've experienced in creativity. So it's like personally no, realising that it kind of made the my own ego get out of the way. Like in the same sense that people say that children don't come from you, they come through you and it's your job to kind of just guide that entity. Yep. Same thing with creativity. I was kind of like, oh, you know, getting all hung up on are people going to like it? 
what are they going to think of me? I was like, you know, I just kind of, I'm a little bit obsessed. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop sleeping. I might just do it. And then I was able to kind of be separated and involved in it at the same time. I like what you've, you just said, will people like it? What will people think of me? I think that's probably the most common resistance. Absolutely. For any creative. Um, sometimes I, tr- I try to remind myself that I'd like to be original and worrying what other people think is really unoriginal. It's kind of yeah. like the oldest resistance ever. And I'm, sometimes I've got to stop myself because I do that daily. Mm-hmm. And I've got to stop myself and go, Jared, you're being a hack. You didn't invent this feeling. Like everyone's done it. So how about you be original and just not care? Yeah. Yeah. When you say that you don't care though, like there's only there's only so far that that can kind of be a reality. It's not, what does it look like for you? Not caring is a lie. Yeah. Okay. But when a lot of people say, I don't care what people think of me, mm-hmm. I think what they actually mean is I care more that people think that I don't care what they think interesting yes i that's because I, I and if someone actually doesn't care then they're probably in prison <laughs> you know what i mean like they're just a just void of any humanity yeah yeah <laughs> and like obviously that's the right place for them um what was the question sorry i got sidetracked um it's it's the resistances that you can feel when you're sort of like happening upon your creativity like it's like and like if we can even think back to when you started doing comedy yeah for example um you know, like the moment you decided to do comedy, like had there been, had you been wanting to do it and then there was a resistance before starting? Yeah, it wasn't in my ballpark too much. Um, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I've always wanted this and then I just finally found the courage. Like it was the opposite really. It was more like I was living my life and I was doing other creative things like moving from the military, which is creatively devoid you know, it's very structured, so the, there's not a lot of room for it. It's yeah. probably just not the environment. No one's going, excuse me, fellas, I found a really nice way to blow up this building. <laughs> new, I know we've been doing it with the bombs, but I thought, what about this? You know, like that's not yeah. – they're just like, we do this and it takes a long time to change anything like that. Yeah. So then my first creative step was to go into cooking and mm. I was like, wow, because it is very creative and amazing. Um, and then – Comedy wasn't on the radar at all. It was more just like I saw it and I went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I can do that because I'm already doing that in life. Yeah, right, right. And then between seeing comedy or comedy getting on the radar and then doing it was only a couple of months. And you know when you're driving in the car and a song comes, you're by yourself and a song comes on and you're like, oh, I wish I could play this so I could just, do it to people. Yeah, totally. And I can't sing or play an instrument really. Like I can do both of them at a low quality. Yeah. So that's not happening for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have that emotion where you're like, oh, fuck, how good would be doing this at the Christmas party in front of everyone, you know, and just entertaining people. Like as soon as I saw comedy, I started that daydream process and sort of falling back into my imagination of someone I could be, you know, and playing with that. Absolutely, yeah. Because – like I do that every day now. Like you can attest to this sometimes. You're just like, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, oh, geez, do I have to tell the truth? Because <laughs> it's pretty boring. You know, I'm just like, oh, it's just forward. Transporting yourself into a, another version of you. Yeah. And just seeing if the shoe fits. And like the shoe, the shoe fit. And it, like the things I hadn't done yet 
in my brain gave me joy. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I've, I can see the path now. I've just got to walk it. And because I did that with cooking. Yeah. And, it, and I, and I liked the, I liked the, uh, the end product and then I got it and it wasn't fun. So I hope that, I mean, that's why I like comedy. It's sort of unclockable. You can't sort of master it. Totally. Yeah. Not that I, I ever I mastered cooking, but I, I guess I, I got what I wanted, which I thought would give me happiness. And then it just gave me the same of same. And I was just like, oh no, now I've got like crisis. Now I was at crisis point and I was kind of pretty much out of the industry full time within six months because everyone wants to be on Everest, but you got to like climbing. Oh yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and I liked Everest. I liked the flag. I liked the, oh wow. But then. There's just a whole lot of climbing in between. And I was like, so I got my goal and I was just like, oh, I don't, fuck, if i got to make another one, there's a whole lot of more climbing and I don't like that. Mm. So it gave me a crisis. So then with comedy, it's like I put myself into that future me and I liked it. And then I did the activity and I liked the climb. I love the climb every day. You know what I mean? I absolutely do. Well, that's like there's um, like the theory of, there's going to be challenges no matter what you do in life. Like the whole concept of living just a happy, free existence without a care in the world is, isn't reality. And so you're going to have to choose which challenge you like. Yeah. And it sounds like that comedy's challenges are the ones that you want. Oh, know? it's poisoned my entire life. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> because nothing, nothing is as good anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like once – like once you find what you like doing, so that's the conundrum. If it doesn't give you any money, which, you know, arts don't do for a very long time and arguably they never do, you know. I've been fortunate enough to figure that out by using what I learned from cooking to make money off it. Mm, yeah. You know, I can't go on stage and do whatever I want because there's not a market for that. You know, I need to work within the parameters of the of the social structure, Which and then if you bust through that, then you can really fuck shit up. But that's but it's like even as you're describing that, you're kind of describing what we first started talking about, which is you've now created the parameters. So right now, like currently in your career, you're working within particular parameters, and it's like it's the same thing as like in filmmaking. It's like you have to understand what rules are in order to break them. Yeah. And you have to master the rules before you can break them in a way that becomes like profound and have like a have like a meaning to someone who's going to consume it. Yeah. So I think that, you know, like it, it's true that a lot of the time, like the arts, sadly, you don't make um, a lot of money sometimes, if ever, like you mentioned. But then again, that's that similar idea to like I always think back to with the Greek saying like the genius is with you is I'm like, OK, at some point in time, genius is going to gift to me something that will create the life in which I can only give myself more to it. Yeah. You, you sort of said something interesting. I don't think you should make money in arts for a while. Like I think it, the no. world would be unfair yeah. if it was just like, oh, you start day one and it's like an apprenticeship and you get, you know, it's a low rate but you can live. Yeah. Like that's – because then that would produce heaps of shit art and people would do it. It would. And well, like this is the other concept as well. Um, there's another uh, form of thinking around creativity. And it's like if you, again, if it's a relationship, right, if you take all creativity and the 
you know, the bucket where you get all of your ideas for whatever craft you're, you're um, engaging with, if you were constantly just going, can I have some money now? Yeah. Like, oh, that, how unfair. Like, exactly. But if you go out and you work your butt off, you climb Everest and then you climb uh, Mount Kosciuszko and you just keep climbing, then like genius and the muse are just like, oh, hell yeah. Like, all right. I see, I, like, I see that you were rising to my standard. Exactly. I'm going to give back to you. Yeah. Cut your ear off. And then, that's it. And then in your afterlife, you'll get famous. <laughs> that's what the that's what the muse wants. That's what the muse and wants. You like art? Cut your ear off. Well, to be fair, to be fair, it can go skew. Like anything, you know, you can have too much of a good thing, right? So what happens? It's happened with the um, like if you act as a, like method and get way too far into it, and then they lose the sense of self, which goes back to the humanity that we talked about earlier as well. Yeah. So it's like being aware of your human form as you're doing any of it is like extremely important in order to keep like continue to be making but oftentimes people can feel a little bit like kind of um like squashed if there's no way to express doesn't mean that has to be for anyone but just having a sketchbook or something on them like you went into the army when you were 18 years old yep had you like obviously you grew up um in a way that was my first delve of creativity yeah i mean I went into the military at a time when all of my friends were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do this. I've got an apprenticeship. I'm working for this. And I was just left in the wilderness. Because you didn't want anything that they were doing? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Western Australia through the, you know, 80s and 90s and culturally devoid place. It's come so far now. We're here at the moment. It's beautiful and there's a thriving scene. But it wasn't like that when I was finishing school. Yeah. People... I don't think about it, not many – I guess if you look at my year, I don't recall anyone that was really an artist yeah, right. at all. I mean, we did drama, but it was more of a relaxed class than a passion class. Yeah, abs- yeah, drama is commonly known for that in schools, yeah. yeah, for sure. So I, I think I'd be the only person that's gone – it was really funny. I looked at my high school results and my drama teacher, grade 11, I can't remember his name, he wrote down, he said <laughs> – Jared has no interest in being here, and he's pretty, and he's essentially a distraction to the whole class because I was killing. He's just the Joker. That's what you were. And now I'm, I'm the only one from that class who's making money on being a stage, on being on a stage. That's hilarious. <laughs> so that's a win for me. <laughs> but going into the army was my first delve into creativity, I guess, because I looked at my life and I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't do this. I can't. So I found the first thing that was like a portal to a new world. I guess if you look at it in history, they kind of talk about this with like the First World War. They're like a whole bunch of young men signed up for adventure. That was adventures being creative. Absolutely it is. I was like, I I found this little, I was like, I found a piece of paper that if I signed it was going to transform the whole fucking thing, like every single part of it. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's, uh, like, I'm going to hand in my seven cards and get Dell to hold another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, when you play games and they're like, well, if you don't have anything, you can just start again. I was like, I'll do that because I think I've learned enough to be an okay person. Let's start again. I'm, I'm ready, you know? And then I just found another life. It, it just gave me everything from scratch again. 
That is so phenomenal because like that's creative in and of itself because it's not creative in terms of like a specific craft, but it's creative in your life. Like I always think that life is by design. You get to design it. So yeah. be a great designer. People forget and at that. 18, all the time. You, you can, can do that at 46 if you want. Oh, you can do that at 70. Time. Yeah. We saw, we were at the markets the other day and we saw a bunch of old people doing this. Like, I don't know even what it was called. It was like spiritual dancing. Yeah. It was horrendous. But it was hilarious and fun to watch. And I was like, yeah, those guys have handed in their deck and got another seven. Well, that's it. That's that, it. Age of that. Fuck it. I go to this thing now and I know all these people and my friends and we do this thing together and we have bells attached to every part of our outfit. And I'm like, cool, good on you. And I said to you, I said, I can't wait to do that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day. Just reinvent well, like, yourself. Well, I like, you know, you can look to some of like the great um, musicians who have just gone ahead and reinvented their own after that i know i've always thought that i'm like why can't you just do another life yeah just do it again and Absolutely. do it again i've got probably four more left in me hell yeah you know i reckon i've powered through six <laughs> and, it's, and never never stop doing that if you're if you're listening because i i think we hold our and it's a societal's constraint of yes definitely and i think you felt pushback from this in the past because the people that aren't doing it with you start to go, oh, they don't know what they want. And I'm like, exactly. you're correct, but I'm doing something about it. And well, a lot of people ha- feel the same way and they just keep doing the same thing. That's why the midlife crisis exists. Exactly. Because yes. it's the people that hit a point in time and they go, oh, fuck, maybe I'm a yacht guy. <laughs> Whereas I don't yeah. think you and I will have a midlife crisis because we've already had six. Totally. Like I, like I always call them like existential crises because mm. I'll just be like, oh, what's happened again? I tried that thing. I didn't like it. But it's only become – it only became a crisis. Now they're not so much crises because I'm just like, oh, yum. What is my next deck of cards? Yeah. And like – but when – like the pushback you mentioned before, when I had all of those pushbacks, it's because it's like obviously with, um, you know, with the industrial age and everything that's happened, it's – if you weren't a part of the nine to five, you were a problem because you're not offering anything to society. Yeah. And that's because like being artistic and creative, um, there was no room for it. And to be artistic and creative means that you have to have an awareness of your mind and, you know, psychology wasn't even a thing. And so as like, as the age changes and there's generations who are still stuck in the previous age, anything that, that is outside of the norm becomes scary and when something becomes scary, a person's natural response is to become angry. And so what I experienced being like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to try this now. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Everyone's like, ah, like, stop it. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm having heaps of fun. I find, and society doesn't, I find this a lot and it, it actually hurts my feelings. Um, society sometimes don't, doesn't associate what I do now with work. Definitely. I found yep. that in the pandemic a lot in the, the first sort of few lockdowns were okay. But the second one, it was like, like I couldn't get any money assistance because what I did wasn't really considered work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, I, we are work, you know, we might not, it's hard to put on paper what we give, but it's easy to see once it's gone. Yeah. That's exactly right. We entertain the people that are within the structure. To let them have the downtimes to keep their sort of fuel tanks topped up to keep going, and not everybody, not everyone's creative, and that's completely fine. And some people are very analytical, and that's awesome. And 
but they need a release and they come and see things that we do. You know, like it hurt my feelings a lot. I remember that when the pandemic started, when the fires happened oh, just yes. before in Australia, mm. if you're listening to this internationally, remember like Leonardo DiCaprio was posting about it at the time. They're like, Australia is on fire. I did like 12 free gigs for support of bushfire yep. things because as an artist, that's what you do. Yeah. People say, hey, we've got this gig, it's the thing. And you go, fuck, that's a great idea. I'd love to. I'd love to do on that. And then when the pandemic happened and we didn't have any work, it was like the government and the power to be were like, you're not. I was like, well, we're the same people that help out when now we need a hand. Exactly. Is that too much to ask? Yeah. And uh, it upsets me. But then you can't have it the other way. Otherwise, everyone wants in and then there's no struggle. And then when there's no struggle. So that's like music, right? Good music comes out of struggle. Yeah, that, that's how each sort of like big genre changes yeah. and, or new genres are invented. Yeah. So good art comes from, from struggle. Yeah. So as much as it hurts my feelings and I want a hand sometimes, I know in the greater picture I'm like, oh, this is just art and this is how it works. I mean, yes and no. Because like there's there's another – this is something that I think about a lot and it's the fact that because the industrial age is now ending, like in the sense that, you know, it's pretty much been done and – We don't have to go to a factory and toil. We no, we don't. Soot I, any longer. Exactly. There's robots that will do my shopping. Like it's, it's fine. Good. Exactly, right? And so which that means that the analytical mind is no longer the thing that is on the pedestal. And instead, the minds that people are seeking out now is the creative mind. That's why the most jobs that you see is like a lot of the times like you're seeing um, people like for copywriting, for graphic design and da, 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 because they need new voices and they need new ideas in order to like swim up and out of the dross of sameness that has happened for so long. So I'm really excited for this next age because it's, it's going to flip where it'll be like hundreds of years ago when the poets were like rock stars <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah they're like but they're saying it how do you, you know what i mean like and like to be a poet like was a huge deal yeah you were seen as being like kiss like people would lose their minds over you yeah, this is poet groupies it, you'd get poet groupies yeah. like truly and it's like and that comes from like okay cool so you're a person who understands humanity you have like empathy you understand yourself and you're using language to like sing it to me and to paint a picture in my mind. And so it was like this next age, if everything analytical is done, what is left? Good. Yeah. Right. All the robots can do that and we can just But this is the thing. If there's all these people that are stuff. Yeah, but all these people that are like left behind thinking about that, they don't know how to use their imagination. They'll have to fix they'll have to fix the robots though. Fix the robots? Yeah. Well the robots gotta break down. So we'll I look forward to this age because, well, we <laughs> it won't happen in our life, but you know, in five hundred years from now, humanity might not be the dominant species. Well, yeah, true. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like, like that's how the Neander the Neanderthal probably didn't have the brain capacity to have that same thought no. that happened to them. They're like Homo sapiens. What? No, they're they're little and not Come as strong as us. Still in our land, but they can think. You know. <laughs> We yeah. outthought the Neanderthals and here we are today. Um, we might be a servient species to some 
to some AI superpower. And then how cool is that? Because in 2000 years from then, they create something that supersedes them. And then the AI is just, you know, doing to the thing. And before you know it, everyone's just sort of a speck of sun energy. I mean, at all times. And in that sun energy society, there's a whole bunch of them that are just like, oh, I wish the government supported my art. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, totally. And it just keeps going, you know what I mean? I mean, it'll probably like flip on the on the backside of that where it'll be, because I've thought about like AIs taking over. I've already thought about this. And I was like, what's going to happen? Who do I get to be in that world? And I'm like, that's where I'm like even more like, like oh shit, like you really need to hone in on that creative sense of self because that's that comes from having a soul and having a consciousness. Yeah. So I was like, cool, how can I play with that? <laughs> and then even if there's AIs, they'll be like, oh, no, she th- thinks good. Okay, yeah, we'll keep her. Like, we she don't know how to good. do that. Yeah. That's how they talk. That's how they talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really want to know, though, like, so in the times when you've, like, made these decisions in your life to move forward, have you met resistances in terms of people? Have they been people that have either said no? Have they said yes, but? Like, has there been anyone that's kind of like helped shape you or sort of direct you in where to go, either positive or negative, actually? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, my family have been, you know, the greatest supporters and the greatest resistance as well. You know, going from the military, which was a very well-paying job, it was it had some perceived social um, prestige, yeah. which and then to go into hospitality, which there's only a few places in Australia that's considered to be a good job. You know, being a being a waiter in Brisbane is very different to being a waiter in Melbourne. Mm. One's a career, the other one's what you do when you're at uni. Absolutely. That sort of thing. To then getting some perceived success and prestige from that to then say, oh, I'm going to do this instead. There was a lot of people that were like, are you, are you doing what you're doing? Because on paper it looks crazy and yeah. in life it is too. So I had, I found just recently, um, you know, we came to Western Australia. I'm here for five weeks. We're surrounded by my family. And I said to the family, I'm coming here for five weeks and then – you know, one member of my family, I put up a bunch of dates of that I'm doing. I'm doing like 27 shows. Someone in my family sent me a message saying, oh, I thought you were coming here to see us. And I was like, ah, oh, they don't think what I do is work. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that hurt. Like I'm still like, oh, I'm still, I'm still proving myself to some people, you know, and that's why it's nice to have milestones in your career. Like I recently hosted you know Perth's biggest sort of comedy club and to them that means something yes they're like oh you're doing that oh okay you're like yeah I earned probably more than you this week you know what I mean yeah on the back of that there's still weeks of struggle but it's like for that moment you can put a little peg in it and say yeah yeah I'm I'm doing all right you know I'll get this yeah but you know like even even that in, in and of itself is really inspiring because there's a lot of people that to experience any sort of like sense of a little bit of pushback, the imposter syndrome comes in. And it's oh, like, oh, imposter Ooh. syndrome. Right? Hello. Hello. Darkness, my old friend. Oh, don't we all have it? But it's like, you know, from what you're saying there, like that's really inspiring because you've kind of gone, that's what they think. Cool. I'm going to do it in spite of. Yeah, I think there's like, I get a lot of, uh, I get 
a range of emotions sometimes when I get pushed back. Mm. You know, I go, ah, oh, that hurts. And then I go, all right, well, fuck yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> and then I do things 150%. Have you always been like that? Yeah, because I want to win. Like I yeah. look at it, it's really, uh, this is a, an interesting angle, but I'm, uh, I'm obsessed with history and I'm obsessed with leaders you know, and a leader isn't a leader of a country. A leader is a, you know, Jesus was a leader. Yeah. And people, and I'm I'm currently a sort of, well, can I say currently? I've been for a long time obsessed with generals because I think, because I think artistic, the way I look at it, I think art and war aren't too different. No, they're not. You've got to win a whole lot of battles to win the war. And each time I go on stage, I need to win the battles. I'm, I can lose some. Yeah. But I need to win the decisive ones, and I need to have a logistic chain that supports my battle to work forward. So there's a saying in military that all plans don't survive the first shot. Okay, so you can put put all your plans in place, you can do whatever, but as soon as things start happening, you got to make a new plan, you got to make a new plan, you got to make a new plan. So when I hit resistance sometimes, I go, ugh. All right, cool. What do we do? And sometimes when you defeat an enemy, you want to humble them and and make them, yeah, you know, make sure that they don't become an enemy ever again. <laughs> yeah, and that sometimes that means bringing them into the fold and creating an ally out of them. Yeah. So when I get these resistance from people, sometimes when you lose a battle against them, you don't. You got to lose well. Mm. You got to lose as well as you win. You got to be as gracious in defeat as you do in um, victory. In victory, so that means if you you're asking a certain, if you're like for in comedy, it means you know you're performing at a certain venue. If you ask that venue and you go, "Hey, I'd like to perform here," and if they say no, you can kind of you can attack or you can be gracious because. Sooner or later, they'll ask you to come back, and it's you just got to be gracious in that as well. And there's only one currency in comedy, and it's well, we call it crush. <laughs> yes. There's only one currency, and it's crushing. Like you can, I've walked into plenty of comedy rooms, and it's like no one talks to you, and then you get off stage, and then everyone wants to talk to you. Oh yeah. Like, okay, cool. We're we're all we're all speaking the we're all speaking the same language here. And it's kind of like respect for the craft. And I like that. I like that. So you gotta be resistance is you gotta you gotta learn to take it because it's always gonna be there. Um that's what I find, you know, one of the difficult things about being in a relationship with another artist, it's almost like the same pros is you get to feel each other's bumps mm-hmm. in the road. And there's so many highs and lows that you got to enjoy the highs sometimes because you might get three lows in a row and then you're like all of those things creep back in, the imposter, your own resistance, things start creeping out of your psyche. You're like, oh, fuck, I've got a weird foot. And you're like, what was that there for? It's like, well, because you had three bad days in a row. Exactly, yeah. You know, and then you start becoming your own resistance, so... Enjoy the wins. Do you think that 
in order to really um, sort of find the strength to move through those resistances and to, you know, like you said, you you know, going into battle and, and, you know, if you're losing, you're losing well and you're creating an ally, whether or not you're winning or losing in that realm, do you think that the, the thing that gives you the motivation to do it all is the fact you've got quite a clear goal in the future or do you, is it more just upon you're acting upon like the emotion and the feeling behind it? Well, I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think goals are very important. I think goals are very important to maintain hunger. Um, and I think – but as long as your goals align with what it is, so like you're doing this because you like the challenge because it gives you that thing in your soul that makes you feel like you have purpose and it creates happiness – yeah, so it's both. You need to do it for the for the yum yums, mm-hmm. but you need to also keep the yum yums at like the little carrot on the stick as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's both. Mm. Has there been a time when you have been called weird? Yeah, heaps, heaps, like so <laughs> much. It. When I was a kid, I um, I spent hours a day. In like the plane of imagination, you know when you're a ch- when you're a kid and you can just go into a yard. Like a stick is anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a child, you have like the best sort of. It's like VR. It's like the best CGI that you could ever hope for. You know what I mean? Like everything's just real. Yeah, it's real. Like it's and try telling them it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like when I was a teenager, I'd like sing in my room with like a bike pump that was a guitar and like try and tell me I wasn't a rock star on stage. Like I was <laughs> fucking doing it. Like <laughs> if, that's, if that's not real, then like that's the same realness of it happening. I had all the same endorphins yeah. and it was wicked. I loved it. And I used to, like I was probably a kid a little bit longer than most other people. Mm. You know, like I, I'm – I could just go back there now. I'd, I'd live happily ever after. The only thing that ruined that whole experience was hormones and responsibility. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it totally. sucked, you know. Then I was like, oh, shit, I better stop being such a nerd because I, like, I would <laughs> pro- potentially want to get a root at some stage. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So I had to, like, shelve all of this stuff and that I love doing and, you know, behave like a emerging adult and continue to make all those stories. I remember some kids in my street called me weird once what for um just carrying on like i was in the yard like fucking flipping a stick around like a lightsaber or something and uh yeah a bunch of people like rode their bikes like we had this sort of like open garage you could just come in the backyard oh really and yeah yeah it was suburban (laughs) suburban perth it was fine it was awesome and these kids come around they're like what are you doing you weirdo i remember it and I was like, I was like, oh, I, it was like getting caught doing something. I was like, oh, nothing. And I had all this yeah. toys and stuff around that I was doing. And then I got on the bikes and went off with them on an adventure. But I remember being caught, mm. being caught, having fun. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's, a, there's a particular charge to the word weird as well. Yeah. Well, now it's a badge of honor for people like ourselves. It is. Um, but I mean, like this is like the the purpose of the podcast because it's still not to be called weird is still not seen as that. You think so? Yeah, I'm okay with it now. So am I. Like I've like I, like this is the reason why I've like the podcast is even called your weird is because that was like one of the most common things said to me, and I was like, 
in the same way that you've kind of uh, chased creativity in spite of what other people said, I was like, I'm just going to get weirder in spite of you telling yeah. me that I'm weird in a negative sense. And like I used to actually say to people, I, and I would say, well, at least I'm not normal because that's really fucking boring. Oh, it's so boring. It's so boring. To me, that's weird. Right? And this is the thing. I'm like, to be weird is like just, oh, it's delicious. It's such a delicious, delicious way to live and think and be. But it's like, you know, like when that feeling of like being caught, having fun – and, you know, it's interesting that you were describing it as it's the time when your imagination is starting to be laid to rest. Yeah. And, you know, watching you describe that story, there was almost like a little bit of sadness for that version of you who had to put it away, right? And obviously you do because you have to go and you have to grow and you have to evolve, but then you have to re find it and discover it and uncover it like an archaeologist and, you know, figure out how to use it again. Yeah, that's why like so many... 30, 40, 50 year old men are into superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. Because they they put it away to become a an adult and then once they achieve that and they've, you know, they've got the kids, they've got the the partner and stuff, they introduce their children to the things that they like and then they a spark hits them in their brain. They go, Oh, I still like this a lot. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, We'll get all the toys, yeah, kids. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just the adults. Yeah, like having a kid is the best excuse <laughs> to be one yourself. I love that pause in between. The best excuse <laughs> to be one yourself because yeah, they oh yeah yeah we'll get what do the kids want for Christmas Lego yeah yeah we'll get them Lego they like Lego it's like dude they're eighteen months old <laughs> they don't know what they like at all they're like well we'll 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 teach them That's you know so funny. Uh, because you've had to shelve that part of your life and then it comes it comes back out again and that's and that's really wonderful so i did it myself i i put all that stuff away came back i've never been happier imagining playing having a think you know it's it's something really it's something really special absolutely do do you think um like finding that uh, imagination spark and sharing it again, was that kind of difficult? Yeah, it's difficult at first to um, only if they the same resistance things that we talked about. It's only... I think identifying is, is a good way to get over that though. Yeah. It, yes, it is difficult. When I was... A, decided to do comedy, I had to identify as a comedian, which is hard when you can't really do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'm a comedian. And people are like, can I come watch you? You're like, no. <laughs> Please don't. I'm a comedian without feathers yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, a <laughs> I'm a hatchling. <laughs> but do you find that – so this is like the kind of next point. Like, the thing – Obviously, the, wor the word weird means like out of the norm and out of the norm in marketing terms is obviously your unique selling point. Oh, here we go. Yeah. This is some analytical nerd stuff. I like it. Here we go. This is where I'm like, let's make it our superpower. Is it like, do you reckon, have you found that like, especially now doing comedy and needing to find a way to swim up and out of everybody else doing it, that you're having to look at the things that are really defining you as being a separate 
type of comedian and that thing that makes you a little bit weird, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as one of the greatest um, resistances I have is the time I'm doing comedy in. So I've just I've picked the time to become an entertainer at perfectly. Like I'm a white guy. <laughs> I had 4,000 years to do it <laughs> and I picked the end. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. I timed that wrong. <laughs> Horribly. Yeah. I'd have crushed in the 1400s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'd be in a I'd be in a French court. Yeah. Like I'd have probably an entourage because like when he's had a bad day, I'm like, oh, sire, <laughs> would be worse, you know, and then pull out, do a pantomime of a leper. <laughs> like that would have killed. It would have. I, I could have pulled that it's off. killing in my head. I'm seeing it. Um, so uh, I need to look at my unique selling points because my OG ones are gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I am not privy to as much opportunity as other people in my industry, you know? And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing moving forward. Again, they're parameters. I mean, those people picked it great. <laughs> yeah. They could have they could have tried being a court jester as a, you know, Ethiopian lesbian in the 1400s. They wouldn't have even got close. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But now that the time is coming forward for them and that's amazing for the world. But now I need to go, well, all right, well, what separates me from the other, you know, countless people that came 4,000 years up until before me. So I need to look at that, yeah. And mm. it's hard because you don't want to identify too hard. You don't – you've got to make sure it's you. Otherwise, you're stuck in something that's going to take you a long time to get out of. You know, I'm having this problem at the moment. I went on a – this is just an example, but I went on a, a regional tour and an outback tour in 2019. And for some reason, I've always loved eating bakery delights. But I decided to eat a vanilla slice – put it up on my Instagram story and say it was had a crispy pastry and a f- nice in it, nice filling. I give it an 8 out of 10. Fuck me. Like I've been doing comedy for five, six years and people care just enough, but I put up a vanilla slice and I had maybe 200, 250 messages, DMs on Instagram. Mental. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> the The red thing started going plus nine, you know, it's going like nine plus. I'm like, whoa, I've got a lot here. It can't even tell me oh my God, how many nice. messages I've got. It's just like, oh, I don't know. Just and, heaps. <laughs> and um, people have been like, oh, you got to try the one out of Bloody Birchip. And you got to, people are just giving me vanilla slice kind of tips. Yeah. And then yeah. I, so I started doing it more because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm onto something here. And then, so everywhere I went, I was doing this series of I'm in this town. I've just done this gig. I've stopped off on the way to this gig. You know, I was eating three vanilla slices a day. It's, un- <laughs> it's unsustainable, you know. Yeah. And uh, people were like, You're the vi- I got four messages today because they just released the new ratings for vanilla slices. Really? Oh people are sending it to me just FYI. That is hilarious. My brother's like, let, let, just letting you know they've the awards are out. So I'm like this vanilla slice guy. Wow. Accidentally. But then I, in my head, I'm like thinking – well, I need to do more of this content. Yeah. Because it's resonating with people. Yeah. But yeah. then I've, as you know, I've just got to a point where I'm pretty much guaranteed that I'm 99% sure I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm like nearly shitting myself <laughs> to give the people what they want. 
and I'm like, oh, I've I lent too hard on something. It's not giving me any joy anymore. I'm mm. like, fuck, I better eat a vanilla slice of these fools. <laughs> so I need to uh, – I was caught in a content trap. This is a this is a really really big one because it's um being caught in the content trap nowadays with ever evolving medias is something that you have to be super aware of and you know like like I'm obviously not the best example because it's like I'm still trying to pick up a habit of using social media but it's like doing it in a way that you don't get lost within the kind of rip and like the tide of it mm. but doing it in a way that's sustainable and is still you and so for you doing that, like how, how are you managing to sort of discover this new content realm? And like obviously like like with the vanilla slice, have you thought about reimagining how that's done or like just kind of like what like if – I'm happy to just – I'm – and this discovery is good. I'm happy to uh, – so I'm going to kind of like in my mind I'm going to do a funeral for my former self. Like I'm going to – Oh. Like I'm going to go to the new place that's got the best vanilla slice in the country. Like I'm thinking of going there, okay. having it, uh-huh. and then signing off. Doing a live from the toilet. <laughs> 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 no, I hadn't thought of that, but it's extremely funny. And Because um, I'm happy not to. But I think because you've got to try a lot of things in, in this world to figure out what you not only do you like but what you don't like and – but also is neutral. Yeah, yeah. Because if you, if I wanted to do, I'm like, gosh, it w- it could have been easy for me to start a bakery podcast where I talk or a blog, yeah, or something like that for something that I thought people wanted as opposed to what I wanted. Oh yeah. And then it becomes work because it becomes a job you don't want to do. And you're just keeping up appearances. So it's good to recognize when to not do something. And just, I think of all the great people as well. Like, look at David Attenborough. In 400 years, people will still do David Attenborough's voice. And there'll be like, whatever the equivalent of the internet is, an article being like, this is the origin of why people, when they see an animal go, and in the beginning... <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. That's yeah. going to hang around forever. And he, David Attenborough never s- started and he goes, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a global icon. He just did what he loved and it caught on. So, but, like we went to Shane Warne's funeral. It's a crazy guy to put into a conversation about creativity. Mm-hmm. And there was like the fucking stadium was packed. And Amazing. like this guy didn't do anything but be himself all he did was be himself bowl a cricket ball a sport that you know is kind of silly and (laughs) just at all times be who he wanted to be and he became yeah there's I could I could live eight lifetimes and never have as many people at my funeral as he did and that's the con that if you look at what you want to do like that's how you become great because there was own being Shane Warne wasn't a thing until Shane Warne was a thing. Yeah. Being yeah. David Attenborough wasn't a, he created a genre by being passionate about what he wanted to do. You know, like Steve Irwin lived his life and ended his life being nothing but Steve Irwin. And that is what makes people happy. 
And I, I think all three of those people lived a really great life and I think they were probably happy people. Do you think that they – would you call them as – like would they be deep inspirational people to you? Not in the sense of what – like exactly like their craft as such but as like who they are and how they got to live out their dream? Oh, yeah, I think any – absolutely. But I think anyone who just does – like fuck, if you're – if you can make a living doing anything you like – that isn't a job. <laughs> like if you are super passionate about being a human statue and you go to work every day going, fuck yeah, I can't wait, like putting that grey paint on, just being like, God, I've got it good. <laughs> You're my hero. Like if you can make your own music and people buy that, you have fucking crushed life because like for every one of you, there is like 150,000 people that just go, I don't know how to, I want to do something, but I don't have the, I'm not brave enough. Mm. And for every, that person can inspire two of the 150,000 people, then they're just getting people out of the prison, you know, because we're born into this society of that's like, you need to do this and you need to get the investment property and then you get the kids and they've got to have nice hair. And then like you take them to other people's houses and we all just lie to each other. Oh yeah. And all of these people are just going, no, fuck it. I'm going to hold snakes for a living. And I think this would be awesome. And I'm going to have a family of people that jump on crocodiles backs and we're happy. And I'm like, you've, you've broke the mold. In fact, I don't even think you looked at it. <laughs> you didn't go to the, you didn't go to the society prison. You just broke the fuck out. You know what I mean? And you, you made it happen. And anyone who does that in any field to me is like, they've lived the most wholesome life because when they die and 150 years from then, no one's going to remember you what you did anyway. You worked hard in the company and you got the promotion and you did the thing. All right, cool. But also the human statue who like loved it and just got traveled the world and has all these experiences in 150 years, no one's going to remember them either. So all you've got is now, so you better make it fucking good. Absolutely. Because it's not worth anything afterwards. The currency's gone. And if you believe in, if you believe in God or you don't believe in God, then I think the path is the same. Because if you think there's ramifications for what happens or when you're on earth, you better live your best life. But also if there isn't, got to live your best life too. Definitely. It's the only thing to it. That's really, really, really beautifully said. Do you, um, do you have any advice for anyone who is currently – like you, like what you just mentioned, just not feeling brave enough right now to venture upon their creative. Yeah, thing. you got to give it a crack. Like I think the world we live in doesn't reward failure, although it's the best medicine. You know, this doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; I love crushing a gig; it's fun. But the learn the lessons from that are few and far between. I mean, it's nice for confidence and it's good to get on a run and it's nice to give you the motivation to keep going. But fucking one goes the other way. You're just like, oh, wow, that failure is delicious. So if you're sitting at home and you dri- and then you're, or you're driving to work and the song comes on and you go, oh, I wish I could do that in front of my friends or I give it a crack. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to like 
have more of the human experience and that's like delicious so delicious like being i don't want to if you're listening to this and you're being safe in everything you do in life and we meet at a barbecue don't talk to me (laughs) i don't want anything you're giving me i'll be really polite and you'll think we had a good time but i didn't yeah no it's um but if you're out there and you're going fuck i wanted to do pottery and then I made pottery and like and now I've got 78 shit ashtrays. Come and talk to me about that. Hell yeah. And then move on to the next thing. Fail again. Fail. Like give it a crack. Fuck. You've got heaps to talk about. I love it when people go, how's your day? They're like, I've had the worst day. I'm like, tell me. Oh, it's yum, isn't it? Like, oh, I've had the worst day and I'm piercing myself. They're like, yeah, I backed into the bin and then I put the bin up and then another bin flew out of that and the bag was everywhere. Then a crow swooped me. I'm like, this <laughs> is the best story ever. But if I'm like, how'd you go? They're like, good, did my taxes. And like, yeah, we've, we balanced the books well. Ew. I'm like, okay, cool. Keep that. Have a fail. Have a fail. Get used to the taste of fail as well, yeah, I think. it's cool. And then You're going to do heaps of it. Because now doing comedy, um, I get to monetize my failure. Yeah. So everything that bad that happens to me now, I go, oh, could be a bit in it. <laughs> so I'm now thankful for all the things that I failed at. Well, like maybe it's like one of those things as well, like in the sense of, you know, obviously like songs used to just be about like heart loss and pain. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And now because we have like, you know, a plethora of ways to fix your mental health, if you're feeling a bit – like I remember I got like this at one point. Like I was like, I was like, oh, my God, if I become too happy – I wouldn't be able to make stuff. <laughs> I got, like I was what a conundrum. Proper, yeah, I was like super worried about it. I was like, oh, it's really nice to feel happy. Fuck, what am I going to do? I, fe- I felt this way when I when I quit working and I just did comedy. I was like, oh, no, now I'm going to have no bad days. You to write about the content. And then I was like, oh, they're, they're still there. They're so. still there. That's, I mean, that's like the modern day sort of pain that you'll make stuff out of. Yeah. I want to know... Two more things. I want to know whether or not this has happened with each deck of cards you've exchanged or if it was just for one of them. That tipping moment when you decided to go, I'm doing it. So the moment when you were like, I'm leaving the army. The moment when you said, I'm going to become a chef, I'm doing it. The moment you said, I'm leaving being a chef, I'm going to be a comedian. You know that like that tiny moment where you go, I'm quitting this to do this. You're going all in in something. Yep. What What does that feel like? What does that feel like? It's the first four seconds when you wake up in the morning. I don't think you can lie in that moment. Mm. Okay. So if you've had a bad dream, you wake up, you go, like it's still there. If you've had a really good dream, you're like, ooh, hello. Um, (laughs) And for me, it was acting upon that emotion because I in each one of those I, I woke up to the day that I was about to have going fuck and I was like that's not I, I, I can't have that four seconds yeah so I had to make a change um I haven't done that since that's awesome it's been great that's okay so, so um yeah that's when that's when you know the deck of cards needs to change and it doesn't have to change that day, but you need to – you can't live like that. That's blow your head off, like, recipe. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then you start making – you start becoming a poorer version of yourself because you you either start buying too much stuff because you want endorphins or you treat others like shit because you're not happy. Mm-hmm. So that's where it is. And do you know what? As much as I love doing comedy now, if I ever started going, fuck, I ha- I'll just – 
I'll throw the cards in and get another seven. I'll do something else. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Finally, I wanted to um, – so I've got this thing about having a superpower, right? Uh-huh. And it kind of goes into like thinking about what you mentioned earlier when you were a kid and you were able to go into that, you know, sci-fi world in your own imagination. Mm-hmm. Now it's like I'm like if you can think about having a superpower yourself and kind of like use that as your um, anchor point to kind of bring in some creativity. It's like what would my what would my superpower be? Like what does it feel like? What's the what's the thing that I've got? And so I asked you before the episode yep. what superpower you yep. would have. And you said you would have the Force. Now, this the, is in reference. The, the Force from Star Wars. Yes. So, why why is it the Force that you would want? Because I've always wanted it. Just when in I was general. A, yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, I would like to be a Jedi. You know when you don't realise that there's career paths? Yeah. 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 And you just still want to be... Adults are like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they're like, they want you to say, teacher. <laughs> yeah. Fireman. And they're like, good on you. You know? <laughs> well, you're going to have to go to uni. And you're like, stop projecting your failure on me. <laughs> people were like what do you want to be and i was like i want to be a jedi and then i was like didn't have the emotional thing at the time to kids for the parents to be like well they're like well you keep working on it and I'm that's like, so cute so and you saw it on like the census a couple of years ago remember you could like choose your religion and you could oh, be yeah, jedi. yeah i'm a jedi um by uh by way of census so. <laughs> i love it because legally you only need ten thousand people to identify as one religion to make it legitimate <gasps> that's incredible and you know in my personal opinion and I don't mean to offend someone if you have a different opinion, but I think the force and being a Jedi is just as real as any other one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe any of them are real, so um, fucking get around it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd have the I'd have the force because I still I still try. Yeah, yeah, like I, yeah, this is, I'll often look at something a day and just look at it and just try and grab it with my mind. And I'm like, ah, it hasn't come today. <laughs> but I, I worry that one day it will work. Oh. And no one will be around. And then I'll have to come. I'm like, you'll come home and be like, how was your day? I'm like, fucking sit down right now immediately. (laughs) And then I'll put a cup in front of you that won't work. I'm like, ah, (laughs) I did. And then how do I explain that? So I'm just going to put an asterisk on this right now Mm -hmm. that I will never lie about that. Okay. So if I sit you down one day and I say, hey, I tried to grab this cup and it flew into my hand. It fucking happened and you need to believe me. I already believe you. Thank you. Of course. So, yeah, I wanted yeah. to f- – and also it always uh, attracted me because it wasn't – I feel like a superpower is like, you know, I can fly or I can see things. I feel like that automatically happens. Mm. But the, f- the way that the magical force power works is like you can have it, but you got to work at it and you yeah. got to apply it. It's not just like I think and then I fly. It's like there's an element of like you got to earn it. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's like you know you got like you've got biceps, but you can't see them unless you lift some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I get the force tomorrow, it's still like three and a half years away before I can use it properly. <laughs> <laughs> and I need someone who's also got it to kind of teach me how it happens. And they're like, yeah, it's breathing Yoda. based apparently. Yoda. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like yoga on steroids. Yoga Yoda. <laughs> I said you need Yoda. Bikman, uh, Bikram Yoda. <laughs> Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Bikram's like at 30, was it 34 degrees or something? 36. I can't remember. I used to do it every day and I've forgotten. Activates your T-cells. I can smell it already. (laughs) So, 
one of the other reasons why I ask about the superhero thing is because it's like I started this podcast because I've had a lot of challenges with creativity and like trusting it. Um, well, sharing it mainly. This is my acting upon sharing creativity and uh-huh. inspiring others to do the same. So I've asked you what the force is and I decided to draw you. I know. And in, and I've seen you working on it and you're like, don't look. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> but then I also tried to have a look. Well, see, I knew it. I knew it. I know you. Well, it's, that, it's that feeling when you're a child and the parents are like, the, the, the presents are in the top of the cupboard. Don't look at them. And you're like, well, I'll just look at the wrapping. <laughs> well, I'm scared. Like, because obviously it's one of these things. I don't know why I decided to do this as a part of the podcast when it's like you're having to draw a portrait of someone and what if they get offended? Yeah. But, you know, I'm still learning, relearning how to draw. Show and me, it's a cartoon, it okay? So... Um, I will, for anybody who does want to see the drawing I have done of Jared with the Force, you can just jump on to the Patreon or check out the YouTube video. But, so mind you, like I'm aware that like it looks like you, but also I trust you. I've seen your work. You're a good, you're a good drawer. Thank you. But it's a little bit hard because I've done it on the iPad, which is like phenomenal, but I'm still learning how to use it. Like it's wicked. But it's like normally I'm like used to having pencils and I would like use um, like pastels and stuff and kind of smudge shit. Dim, 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 All right. Drum roll. <sighs> <laughs> it's good. That lightsaber is incredible. You like the lightsaber? Yeah. I'm wearing a denim jacket, which is. Um, Iconic to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing I look good in. So, and my head looks interesting. It's long. I know. Is that how I look to you? No, it's just by the time it was this morning, I was like, why the hell did I make his head so long? And then I tried to change it. And then it was just, I was like, I was running out of time. So, I mean, like there'll be an edit and I'll fix it for you. No, I don't. I won't want anything but what it is right now. Because like, mind you, keep in mind, I I drew that last night. And that's incredible. I mean, I get. And I don't know. And I don't know how to use this thing properly. I get jealous (laughs) of your talent. You're good at heaps of stuff. And. Like this is also I'm wearing a cape, yeah. And I uh, can someone we're going through the uh, the mo- movements at the moment where the '90s are coming back, the '70s are sort of going back into fashion. Can we please can some, we all collectively just agree that fucking capes can come back for a bit? <laughs> can we just say and it's like no one's like ironically laughing at it. Everyone's just like nice cape, man. Where'd you get it from? You're like yeah, cotton on. They've got heaps of capes <laughs> at the moment. Can we just do that? Cotton on capes. Can we just do that for six months? Yeah, totally. I'm down. Then our grandchildren will be like, see photos of us and they're like, oh, you had hair. And what's that on your back? You're like, it's a cape. (laughs) It was a fashion at the time and everyone was kind of into it. And then we can can make our own capes if you want. I'll do it with you. Like, where did they ever go out of fashion? Uh, I want to be a count. I I feel like they probably used to get um, like stuck in stuff. Yeah, fucking practically, you know? though, because how many people would be getting to their car and then close the door and their cape is just hanging out it's on the freeway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, I've done this in, um, I've done this when, like, traveling and having, like, a big backpacking backpack. Like, it just gets stuck in doors. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, imagine just walking, you're like, Ugh. it's like one of the, like, what, that old school, like, coat hanger, like, the slapstick comedies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see that. But I still want to, if we could all just do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, cool. So I would like to know um, what kind of homework would you give to someone? So like, I don't know whether whether or not I, I did ask you before the show to think about what homework to give to someone. This can either be finding their own creativity or um, 
to do comedy itself. Give some people something to do. Um, I think creativity in general, and I think this is something we all do, but I'm I'm going to tell you to lean into it, and that's do go to Officeworks, mm-hmm. right? Walk around and you say, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how to go. Like we, there's a million and one things we can waste our money on. Go waste it on some sketchbooks. Go get the fucking biggest thing of colored pencils you can find when you're just starting out drawing. Like set yourself up, make a space, get a, get a specific pen that you like. Get the whole range. Get a red one. Get a green one. Get a black one. Sit them there. Put make buy a desk. Create a space. Put a fucking whiteboard on the wall. Drop hundreds of dollars. You want to write? Go get a good computer. Like treat yourself. Don't invest in your creativity. And then create a space, write some goals on the wall, sit there, put it somewhere where you have to walk past all the time and it annoys you. And then have a crack. And then set up a space, take a picture, send it to Hannah. She'll love it. Yep. Don't, if you don't waste your money on that, you'll find something else to waste it on if you're not being happy. So invest in yourself. That's your homework. Set up a good space and have a good time. Oofed. Love it. That is really, really amazing, amazing homework. Um, Yeah, you heard the man. Just go set up a space. Get on it. Stimulate the economy. Officeworks needs your money. (laughs) (laughs) Just on that, like one thing I do, um, which I don't mind having a little dream is because when I'm doing comedy and I'm doing future shows – like I'll make a poster. Yes, I love that you do. And this. I put them, and I might even not even use that poster. I might, I might not even, but I'll find out whether I like it or not. And I put it in front of me, and it's okay to sit there and dream, and be like, "This is what it's gonna look like when I do it." And uh, you got to see, I made the poster, put it on the wall, did the show, used the poster, and now that's like old news. So like it's just to start again. But there's something about those days when you don't want to do it that you can see the like something tangible at the end of the tunnel, which just really helps you when you're not feeling 110. Definitely, it gives you it gives you something um yeah something tangible to touch when you feel like your mind is too tired to do any of the work. Yeah. Also, it's good for like if you want to like I named a show and then I looked at it, and after a while, when you get to see something. It's like uh, when when I was uh, when I was naming um, my daughter, we put ten names on the fridge. Yeah, because they all sound good at first, and then after a while, it went down to six. And then some of the first ones we took off were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> What's an example? Can I hear? Oh, that? what was one on there? I don't want to say too many in case my friends have because I have friends who's <gasps> oh. have the same names. Okay, there was one. I th- I believe Indigo was on there, and I was like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? That's how, that's how yeah, I Yeah, I'm like, too. oh, I love it. No, wait, no, I You like don't. it at the yeah. start. You're like, oh, it's got an I and a D and a G, you know, like it's yeah. going up, it's going down, like it's fucking balanced, you know? Oh, yeah. But then after a while you're like, oh, that's 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 domestic violence. That's, that's abuse. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I was, might as well just give the bullies a thong. Can go, on, go on, hit it. Um, but then once it's in front of you for a while, I go, ah, oh, you rip it off and you go, thank fuck for that. Yeah, but it's funny though, but you don't you don't know it until you've done it. Which kind of is the same thing of like if you haven't um gone and experienced the things that you've thought about, you don't know that you hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I've spent heaps of money on courses and shit because I was like, yeah, I think I want to do that. And but then that, I'm like, oh, wrong. That, that's really beneficial because now you know you know something 
that you don't want to do. Yeah. Everybody, there's a lot of emphasis on what do you want to do? And it's like, I think there should be more emphasis on just find out what you don't. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's a really good ethos. Mm. Yeah. That's why it goes back to it's okay to fail. Do karate for three months and then because then from that you might find taekwondo and you might love taekwondo, but you never knew that if you didn't fail at karate. Definitely. And like trust that there's going to be something in it that you will take forward. Yeah. It's like yeah. I, I realised I liked writing and I never – that was never on the radar until I did comedy. Yeah. So it's it's okay to do things to find other branches because, yeah, it's sometimes it's about the tree. Well, yeah, because it's the other thing as well. Like each tree does have so many branches and before you get to the tree, you're just like, I want tree. I want tree. I want tree. Yeah. And then – because it, like it's the same thing in the sense of um, – <laughs> I want tree. I want tree. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that, it's that thing of – um. You know, when, when you're looking at something, it's kind of like if you look at a patch of grass, you're like that's just grass. But yeah. then you go, you zoom in on the grass and that is a whole ecosystem. Yep. And then you're like, well, which part of the grass do I want to be in? Exactly. Yeah. And then you zoom, zoom in on that and all the bacteria are having their own thing. They got all their own thing. And there's one bacteria being like, I might actually evolve. Yeah. You should listen to them. I'm just going to pop off and be a whitehead pimple. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you're going to be the cells in the body. Uh, anyway, um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about in creativity while we're here? Um, I think that's it. Great. I think that's it. It's been a lovely chat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it and I really appreciate you and I appreciate everything that you're putting out there in the creative world and the way that you're inspiring other people because I see it. You may not, but I see it. I look forward to uh, doing this as for as long as I can and then if I need to, just reinventing myself because I've got to be around for another 50 years at least. So Anything can happen. Enjoy it. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much, guys, and um, stay weird. Thanks for getting weird with me. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you really liked the episode, consider signing up to the Patreon where you can help me help you. You'll get early access, uncut episodes, bonus episodes, and some other cheeky extras that you'll have to check out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash Hannah Sainty. Now let's be more creative and less strung out. And remember that you're weird because being normal is really boring.